There's a misconception that we don't exist, that somehow our ability to excel at the highest level of our industry is limited, that overcoming barriers as a woman of color would be insurmountable. But what would happen if we decided to venture out on our own despite everything we're up against? I'll tell you. Welcome to the Black Girls Consult 2 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Angelina Davis, a healthcare consultant, consulting coach, high performance fanatic, wife, and proud girl mom. I help transform female professionals into thriving solo consultants. And just like you, I'm wearing all the hats and doing all the things. So this podcast is to empower the busy female professionals to move past fear to start and grow a successful consulting business, despite the obstacles you may encounter. We'll dive deep into consulting practice, business strategy, mindset, and more. So grab your cup of coffee or tea if that's your thing, and let's get started. Welcome to the Black Girls Consult 2 podcast. I am your host, Dr. Angelina Davis. And if this is your first time tuning in, then welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you have tuned in before, thank you for coming back. I hope that this conversation is going to be a good one. So I wanted to take this opportunity in this uh, particular episode to talk about something that I believe very strongly in, and that is this whole aspect of having a core offer when it comes to your consulting services. And, you know, this comes up because I see often that many consultants, especially early stage consultants, tend to start their businesses with a lot of different services that they are offering to potential clients. And they're doing that oftentimes, at least from what I found, because they want to appear as being a very professional agency or firm. And while that is definitely a goal that many have over the years, it takes a while to get there. And even if you're starting out as a brand new firm or agency out the gate, there's a huge learning curve that you have to go through in order to really master what it will take to you know gain the business that you want in the long term, a consistent, repeatable business in the long term. And a lot of that is tied back to aspects of your messaging and your marketing. And all these things are, uh, you know, kind of where we find the, the benefit of having a core offer in place, because it's going to really help to bring your focus in and help you to hone your messaging a little bit better, as well as it's going to build up your confidence in, in terms of providing the service and just offering so many other benefits, everything from negotiation um, to really uh, landing that contract with the client because they have a clear promise. There's just a lot of benefits that are wrapped into this whole aspect of having a core offer. But, you know, then I get the question that, comes up from time to time when someone has really followed through on this whole recommendation of having a core offer, niching down, really getting down to um, having their specific area of focus and specialty, and they're still not gaining the traction that they want in their business. And so, you know, what do you do when you are in this moment where you're doing all the things that at least people have told you are the right things to do, but you're still not landing the clients that you need? And so this episode is going to be dedicated to really talking about some the things that you can consider as you try to troubleshoot what may be happening in your business and whether or not there's a problem overall with the service that that you're offering. So as we start out, I want to 
you know, start with one key recommendation. And that is when you go through this period of time where you don't know whether or not your offer is the problem when it comes to landing clients, one of the first things that I want you to think about is whether your audience is able to quickly identify what it is that makes you and your service unique. And this is something that I think a lot of times we think that we're doing, but it may not be the case when it comes to how you're being perceived. So there may be instances where you can fill out a form or maybe you're going through a particular coaching program or some other type of assessment and someone asks you, what makes you unique? What makes your service unique? What makes you special? And you can run off a laundry list of things that you are able to do that's different or better than your competition. But are you really putting that information out into the marketplace? Is that something that your audience knows? Can they easily see it? Or is it something that you have to keep reminding them of, something that you have to keep driving home? When you think about it, any market, no matter what aspect of consulting you're in, is a very noisy space nowadays. And so we have a lot of people out there really competing for business. It's a very highly competitive market, especially in the consulting industry. Because let's just be honest, it's one of the easiest businesses to start because it doesn't take the overhead of having a product um, that you want to launch and kind of getting all those pieces of the puzzle together and then be able to, being able to manage inventory or things of that nature that comes with maybe a product-based business. So going Going into something like consulting will allow you to be more kind of, I would say, turnkey, meaning that you can go out and start your business pretty much right away as long as you have those key elements and those tools in place to get you started. So it can be very noisy out there. It can be very, very difficult um, to stand out. And so if you are trying to really compete in this very crowded space and you don't look any different from your competition, it's going to be hard for you to land the business that you want. You know, think about it. It's like when you go to the state fair, you know, when I lived in North Carolina, that's something that we did often. We would go to the state fair every year. It was a big, big thing. (laughs) And you would go and I look forward to being able to get the the big turkey legs that they would sell um, at the fair. It was something that I, at least I never found anywhere else. Um, And so it was something that I look forward to every year. Uh, But that was because I knew that that was an offering. That was something that was available at the fair that I could not find elsewhere. And when I went to the fair, I I knew exactly what I was going for in terms of food. I was trying to find that particular food offering uh, because it was what became one of my favorites. It became something that I couldn't find elsewhere. It was unique. It was different. Um, it was something I look forward to. So when we're in the, the marketplace, we are kind of like being in that state fair, right? We have a food truck, like all the other food trucks that are there and all the food trucks are selling some type of, you know, some food of some type or some kind. And that food often is very similar. It's a lot of funnel cakes, a lot of hot dogs, a lot of hamburgers, french fries, all that type of stuff. And so when you think about it, when you're walking through this this food court or this space where there are a lot of food trucks at a state fair, you're looking for food, you're hungry, you want something to nourish you. In that instance, everything looks the same. Everything smells the same. Everything is just drawing you to the same degree because they're all offering something similar and it's all going to satisfy your need in that moment, which is to eat. Your your want is to be satisfied by having something that is very tasty and very good to eat. 
So as long as everything looks the same, then you're going to go around and search for the, the food truck that has the shortest line, or maybe you're going to search for the food truck that actually is charging the least amount of money. Those are going to be the types of things that make your decision in that moment. And so we have to avoid being in a situation where we are like, all of the other food trucks at the state fair. We don't want to be looked upon as a commodity. And when we're not communicating what makes us different, that's how we're presenting ourselves in the marketplace. And so although we may know that we offer something that's special and that's that's very uh, you know different and unique from our competition, if our audience doesn't know that, if they don't recognize it, then it doesn't matter. The thing that we want to do is figure out how we can stand out, kind of like me looking for that turkey leg at the fair. (laughs) I wish I had a better analogy than the turkey leg, but it's true. Me looking for that turkey leg at the fair, I know that I'm going looking specifically for that food item from the vendor that I went to the last year and the year before that and the year before that because they actually had a quality product, something that I was able to remember, something that I know was unique. Nobody else there sold the same thing. And so that stood out and that's one of the reasons why they became successful year after year after year. So some of the questions that we have to begin to ask ourselves when we're in this space where our offer doesn't seem to be resonating as well with our audience as we would hope is number one, are you offering a high quality of service? So are are you offering a higher quality than what's out there? Is that the aspect that's different? Are, Are you fast tracking the process? Are you able to get them to their end goal a lot faster? You know, or do you offer some aspect of ongoing support for your services or a periodic benchmark comparison that allows clients to remain motivated to achieve their goal over time? You have to make sure that whatever you are offering, those things that you have pulled together as an offer, as a service, that it creates something that is highly desirable for the clients that you want to serve. It has to not only be desirable, but it also has to be different. Remember, it has to be evident to your audience that you offer something that is unique. So that's one of the first places I often have people check is whether or not the offer that they actually have in place, if that's something that is truly unique to their business, to them as a consultant, and that's also gonna be how how someone is going to respond to you in the marketplace by, you know, really looking for your offer and your offer alone. So you know that business growth and financial stability require one thing, and that's clients. So that means gaining more clients has to be top priority in your business if you want to survive without being in a constant feast and famine mode. That's just not sexy. So those other successful consultants you see on LinkedIn or Instagram making it look so easy, it's like they have some secret sauce or luck for for endless clients or referrals. But honestly, all thriving practices are built on solid processes, showing up authentically in your marketing and positioning your expertise effectively. In other words, there's a consulting code that you can learn, plug into your business, and then modify so it leads you toward your ideal business and your ideal lifestyle. So if you want to know more and have the secret to crack this code, just visit my description and download the free foolproof checklist to grow your consulting business to six figures and beyond. Because when you crack the code, you'll be able to generate leads and increase profits with more ease.
All right, so let's talk about the second thing that I want you to check. And this one may not be as obvious as the first. It is actually whether or not you are marketing your offer in a way that would speak to your ideal client. So let me explain. Oftentimes when we are marketing our services, and that just pretty much means that we're telling other people what we have to offer in terms of, you know, how we can help and how we can provide assistance to help them reach their goal. So the way that we're marketing is very much dependent on, uh, or should be dependent on (laughs) who you are talking to and what goal you are trying to achieve. And many times what I found is that, especially early on, a lot of consultants can decide to follow certain marketing strategies without really thinking about who they are talking to or really thinking about the audience. And so they end up with this mismatch of sorts when it comes to their messaging in terms of marketing and the audience that they're speaking to and who they want to sign as clients. So a good example of this is something like, for instance, your ideal client may be a a big time, busy C-suite executive, but you're trying to market your services through some type of long drawn out webinar that you know really is not gonna be something that easily fits into their schedule. And so if that's your point of contact and your way to really reach out and have conversations, deeper conversations with the C-suite executives that you want to serve, it's going to be very difficult for you to actually sell your services because they may not have that capacity to sit through a long presentation. And so therefore they may not necessarily learn as much as they need to know about the services you provide. This can be similar also in the business to consumer space where maybe you are focusing on really selling to either the consumer or even maybe a solopreneur or someone who has a very small business. And you are not taking the time to build a level of emotional connection through your marketing. And so therefore, because there's no emotional connection, because there's no type of emotional attachment, then that individual is going to be less likely to buy. It's going to be less likely that you actually lead to a sale in the end. When you're thinking through whether or not you're speaking to your audience in the right way at the right time, time, I want you to pay attention to this whole concept and idea of psychographics. So remember, psychographics is all about how your audience thinks, you know, what are their attitudes? What are their beliefs? What are their values? What are their behaviors? Those are the things that we have to know and understand, not just from the simple aspect of trying to build the offer. So it meets, you know, some of their needs and beliefs, but also the way that we're marketing, the way that we're selling to them, the way that we're presenting that offer needs to also take those things into consideration. Otherwise you'll be stuck in a situation where you're unable to really reach your audience because you're not in the right place. You're not speaking the right language. You're not showing up at the right time. And so all those things matter. We have to make sure that we are presenting our offer in a way that's going to resonate with the people that we want to serve. So I want you to be very thoughtful in terms of how you are really tackling all these aspects of the buying decision, because those make a huge impact as to whether or not you're going to be successful in the end. Okay, now for number three, I think we're going to really have to be honest with ourselves with this one. This is going to require us to dig deep and really think beyond our, you know, current attachment to our offer and the service that we provide. I know oftentimes we spend a lot of time building out our services, building out and structuring our frameworks, really thinking about how we want to deliver on a particular Um, outcome or result. And there's a lot invested in that. 
I get it. I understand. I'm definitely there with you. There's a lot that we put into that whole process. But in order for us to really sell effectively, we have to think and be honest with ourselves as to whether or not our offer results in an outcome that is actually worth the investment. So you have to be honest with yourself and make sure that what you are actually, you know, selling the services that you're offering, what you have positioned as a solution, that that is worth the investment in your services. Is it worth the money? Are you worth the money? And that's something that we have to be able to answer. Oftentimes when we run into problems on this front, it's because we're not thinking like the client. We're, we're kind of positioned from the outside really looking in because you know the client and their perceived value is what matters. It's what they actually want, is what they desire, is how they perceive our services in terms of the result and the outcome that we're delivering. All of that is what is actually going to be most important when it comes to making sure that you're able to sell effectively. You have to begin to look at how they view the services you provide. And one of the ways that I recommend that people approach this is by starting with the end in mind. When you're building your offer, this is one of the reasons why we want to think about what the result of the promise actually is and then design your offer so that you're actually delivering on that result that your audience has already stated that they want you know what they need. So what you're doing is that you're actually positioning your service to provide all that they need in a way that they will perceive as being highly valuable. And when we're able to do that from the start, we have less of a problem really selling our offer in the long run. But sometimes our services and our offer may be developed at one point of our journey and somehow we may pivot or evolve or grow and not make those necessarily adjustments to our offer. And so when that happens, we may ne- we may have some aspect of a disconnect between what we are offering as a service and the result that we're providing from the perception of our client. Our client may not necessarily find it as valuable any longer. Maybe they've advanced along in their journey. Maybe some aspect of, you know, their practice has changed. Um, you know, I kind of give this example with the within the business to business space. You may be working with a business that has heavily invested in aspects of automation and artificial intelligence and things of that nature. And so they are less dependent on some of the manpower that they used to depend on previously, possibly when they work with you or maybe when you had initial contact. Well, if your offer doesn't take all of those things into account and they're still offering some aspects that are more manual driven and require more manpower and workforce, then that is not going to be as appealing to them or as valuable because they're already made the shift into this, you know, more automated uh, aspect of business. So you have to know who you're talking to and, and how your audience and your ideal client has advanced over time, because you may find yourself actually trying to catch up instead of really leading the field. So it's really important that we really be mindful of how we're being perceived in the market by our audience, by our ideal clients, and then also making sure that we're able to continue to evolve our offer and our services so that we can meet the expectations and the needs of the clients that we want to serve. So this is our way of making sure that what we're providing as a result, as an outcome, as a promise is worth the investment 
for the clients that are, are going to move forward with collaborating with us. That has to be in line for them to actually make the decision to move forward. You know, the bottom line is that when our offer is not selling and we have taken our time to build a core offer that we are positioning as our main service, then there's often something else that's going on. It is often something that we can identify, modify, and improve upon so that we can gain the traction and really attract the clients and land the clients that uh, we want and that we need. So in those moments where you are trying to figure this out, I want you to think of three things. And there are a lot of other things that we can talk about as uh, potential kind of checkpoints and ways to tune in with what's going on and, and really begin to assess our current status. But one of the first things is whether or not your audience is able to quickly identify what makes you and your service unique. Remember the whole discussion about really trying to stand out in the market so that you can be seen and recognized as offering something that's different. The second is that you want to make sure that you're marketing in a way that aligns with your your client, your ideal client, that you're speaking to them in a way that they are going to be able to hear and that they are going to respond to and resonate with. And that also involves making sure that you're marketing in a way where they can actually hear the message, right? So we talked about positioning your offer or selling your offer in a way that is going to be conducive to their lifestyle, to their environment, being able to fit into their ecosystem more effectively and efficiently. And then last but not least, does your offer result in something that's worth the investment? Is the outcome worth it? Is it worth the money? Those are the things that you want to begin to ask yourself because those three things are typically the most common that people run into when they're having difficulty gaining traction for their offer. Aside from that, there are other elements that you can investigate. Just keep in mind that if you're not selling consistently and not building that momentum within your business, then there's something else going on. And that's our moment and our opportunity to stop, reassess and try and figure out whether or not we're positioned most effectively. And some of that stems from how we are utilizing our offer and in some of those aspects that we talked about. So I hope this helps. I hope this conversation has been helpful for you as you build and grow your business. Definitely, if you have any questions or concerns, I want you to reach out to me either via Instagram or LinkedIn. I definitely love to continue those conversations outside of the podcast. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Make sure that you share it. Make sure that you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well as um, rate our podcast on Spotify. I definitely would appreciate that. And if you happen to post this episode on your social media feed, definitely tag me. I love to celebrate with you and share that with you. And until next time, take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Black Girls Consult 2 podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave your review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe and share it with a friend. We're on a mission to increase the success and longevity of women in consulting, and you can help us do that. Also, I'd love to hear from you. So let's connect at Dr. Angelina Davis on Instagram or LinkedIn. And don't forget to visit consulting.com for more information to support your consulting journey. Until next time, take care.